a really big takeaway message from my presentations is that there's no wrong way to be a human. So however people identify is beautiful because there's only one of them. And the greatest gift you can give the world is to be your authentic self, whatever that is. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. That voice belongs to Jessica Fisher from Out Saskatoon and Camp Firefly. And she is the feature interview of Episode 9 of YXE Underground. Our society and I think our community here in Saskatoon has come a long way in terms of LGBTQ2S issues in the past few decades. But there is obviously much more that needs to be done, not only in terms of policies, but especially education. That's where Jessica Fisher comes in. She is the Camp Firefly Saskatchewan Coordinator, which is a wonderful leadership retreat for gender and sexually diverse youth in our province. One of the first stories I actually did for CBC Saskatchewan was a soundscape out at Camp Firefly outside of Regina. And you you see right away the positive impact it has on youth. But Jessica also has a really important role with Out Saskatoon. She is the face of the organization's education initiatives throughout the city and the entire province. Jessica visits elementary and high school classrooms and speaks with students about LGBTQ2S issues, and she opens up about her own story. Just imagine walking into a classroom and hearing this. You know, at the end of the day, you don't have to understand a person's identity in order to show them respect. Uh, but when you do understand one another a little bit more deeply, um, those connections and those bridges that have been missing for a while, those are better able to be established. And so, um, yeah, this presentation, we will talk about identity, what makes you a human. We will talk about, uh, we'll do more of a deep dive into different identities, so sexual orientation and gender. Uh, and then we will talk about the experiences that LGBTQ2S folks ex- still face today, um, particularly in schools. Uh, And then we'll chat about how we can be allies. So how can we support one another? How can we do better and just show up and be kind? It's not just students, however, that Jessica is speaking to. She's working closely with teachers, parents, and administrators because they often hold the keys to making changes. Rachel Lowen-Walker is the Executive Director of Out Saskatoon, and she explains why Jessica's work is so important. We know that it has to be something that all people are engaged in, so it's not enough just to work with youth. We also have to work with their parents. We also have to work with their schools. Uh, Oftentimes, policy changes and the kinds of policy changes that are really needed, they do have to come from the principal or from the superintendents. And so, uh, again, it's not enough, even though it's really really important to work with young audiences and of course they're often more um, more comfortable with with the work that we do than than some other audiences um, we have to work with with those uh, with those administrators in order to ensure that the longer term policy changes are also part of the process and so that includes things like you know they're the ones that can make changes around bathrooms, right? Ensuring that there's gender-inclusive bathrooms. They're the ones that can make changes around um, GSAs. Um, and so having all of those pieces in place is, is a big part of the process. And then, of course, working with students is so exciting because um, I think that the work that Jess does is really empowering 
right? When you're a young queer kid in grade six and then someone as amazing as Jess comes into your classroom and talks about her own life experience and the supportive community that is out there, I think that's really inspiring. And I we know that a lot of young people then get that extra wind underneath their wings to to make changes in their own environments. Jessica talks about some of the times she has seen her words make a difference in the lives of students in this interview. So make sure you keep your ears peeled for those stories. Now, I should explain where I am right now. I'm actually at Out Saskatoon. It's a Monday over the noon hour, and I'm tucked in the back corner here uh, in the library section. I'm surrounded by hundreds of books um, covering a lot of different topics. And if you've never been to Out Saskatoon before, I would highly recommend it. It's a really wonderful war a warm welcoming space and uh, you feel very comfortable as soon as you walk in lots of services here and um, yeah the, the first time I actually met uh, Jessica um, in in earnest was here at Out Saskatoon when we did the interview so um, if you've never been here before I would highly recommend it and uh, we should get to the interview right now so like I said I, I met Jessica here at Out Saskatoon we met in the common room a few months ago uh, again it was a Monday afternoon and we had only met once before briefly so I, I wanted to ease our way into the interview so the first thing I asked her was uh, Jessica would you please introduce yourself this was her answer my name is Jessica Fisher and I am a cisgender queer woman who is both Métis and a settler and uh, my role here at Out Saskatoon is I am the Firefly Saskatchewan coordinator so I coordinate um, Camp Firefly in the summer and then during the school year, I do um, education K-12 across the province and also do education with teachers and administrators as well. How's that for an introduction? I, I love it. And needless to say, I had many questions for Jessica focusing on her personal and professional life. So I started by asking her to describe the presentation she delivers in schools across Saskatoon and the province. Yeah, so my presentation really focuses on teaching folks about basic building blocks of identity. So what is gender identity? What is gender expression? Um, what is biological sex? What is sexual orientation? And so I really break those down and, you know, make sure that people understand the different components that make up who they are as a person. And a really big takeaway message from my presentations is that there's no wrong way to be a human. So however people identify is beautiful because there's only one of them and the greatest gift you can give the world is to be your authentic self whatever that is and to be safe in doing so so my presentation talks about basic building blocks of identity um, of up-to-date terminology and what those uh, what the terms mean um, so for example what does it mean to be bisexual what does it mean to be transgender what does it mean to be cisgender um, etc and um, I also talk about the impacts of homophobia and transphobia because they're still, unfortunately, pretty alive and well um, in our province. There have been significant improvements for sure, but um, I think the purpose of my presentation is to really help folks understand that their language and their actions have consequences. And that can be positive consequences where people feel accepted and safe to be who they are, or they can be negative consequences where people are um, afraid to exist in the world as they are 
uh, it creates unsafety, it creates discrimination, harassment, assault, and worse. And so um, just talking about how language and, and actions impact people around us is another really, really big part of my presentation and how we can be allies. So if we're struggling with, okay, so now I have this information, now what? Why is it important? You know, what do I do with it? Um, I talk about like concrete ways of how can we now take this information and, and make it useful and make it do the work that it needs to be doing. How old are the, are the students? <laughs> well, um, I can present to folks who are in kindergarten all the way up to grade 12. And so um, lots of times uh, schools will be like, oh, we're going to do a cutoff at like grade six. And I'm just like, all right, well, if you don't want me talking to students younger than grade six, totally fine, not my call. But nothing that I talk about is inherently inappropriate, right? Talking about identity, letting kids know what terms mean earlier than later is... um, is necessary because when you normalize talking about identity, whatever that looks like, it takes away the the stigma, it takes away the, the taboo-ness, uh, and it just makes it like, oh, that person's gay, cool. Oh, that person's trans, cool. Oh, that person's straight, amazing, right? It does, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal, exactly. So if you wait, if you, if you uh, wait to have the talk, you know, in quotation marks, about identity, then you've built this this idea up that it is something that people can't handle talking about. But to be quite honest, when I go and I talk to a grade one class and I say, okay, so what different types of love exist in the world? Oh, there's friends and family and sibling and neighbors. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And is all love okay? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, so if you see a little boy and he wants to wear nail polish and a dress, is that okay? Yeah. Like, they get it. They are accepting. They, when I talk to those younger generations, um, it's not a struggle because they haven't been socialized to to pick up these patterns. Because when I, you know, when you go and talk to a grade six class, they've heard a lot of homophobia and transphobia their whole life from family or the community or school or media. And so when you can start disrupting those messages earlier on, then they are like, yeah, like, why would I believe that? That seems silly. Why would I hurt a person? So when you can have those conversations early, then they get it early. And, like, the world will be fine when that generation is leading. (laughs) So I wonder why there is that hesitancy then for you to, like... I know why. (laughs) Because... um, People of my generation and older, this was not talked about. It was considered very inappropriate. It was considered very taboo. And so we're being very protective of our children, which is fine. It's great to be like, yeah, we need to be, um, we need to make sure that the information that they're getting is is accurate, is appropriate, is um, tied to curriculum. But because these adults often don't have a lot of experience with this knowledge, there's a lot of fear around what is Jess going to talk about? What is Jess going to say? Is Jess going to influence our kids to maybe maybe become gay or maybe become a lesbian or something? Uh, and so there is a lot of, um, I still think, fear around me coming in and chatting with folks. But I think after teachers 
um, hear the classroom presentation because they're in the classroom with their students, so they're also learning too, which is great. Um, or maybe the teachers have gone through professional development training before I go and talk to the students. Then they are like, oh, and they all like take a collective sigh in and breathe out, and they're like, this is fine, actually. Jess is... Um, not saying anything that's like not okay to say in a school. So it's really, uh, I think it's just perception and like people being nervous about what I'm going to talk about. Do you get nervous when you go into a class and, and like, can you, can you sort of feel the a bit of the vibes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can, <laughs> yeah, you can definitely tell when you go into a class. Uh, I, to be quite honest, prefer chatting with elementary school kids because they are, well, number one, they're not too cool to participate. <laughs> High school kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they they love asking questions. They love guessing what things might mean. And then the, when I tell them and I give them some story or some like background knowledge, they're like, oh, okay, cool. And so I, I often get really um, positive feedback from students because I also have a feedback form that I hand out. Um, and some of the feedback I get is mind-blowing. Like, um, I was in a grade 5 class the other day, and um, one of the students was saying, how do you know when you're ready to kiss somebody? And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> that's, that's not my topic to cover, but <laughs> probably when you and the other person you want to kiss have talked about it, have talked about, like, boundaries, have talked about what feels good for you, and you've checked in with an adult that you trust because you want to make sure that, you know, before you're engaging in any type of physical touching, be it hugs or kissing or cuddling or whatever it is, that that you understand what that looks like for you, how it could impact you, how it could impact the other person. Um, just like having an open conversation, I think, is really important. And so this little boy puts up his hand and he goes, well, why is it in movies that boys often like surprise girls and kiss them. That seems weird. And I was like, whoa, yeah. This is grade five. This is grade five. And this little boy's like, yeah, like he, and I was like, why do you think it's weird? And he's like, well, he didn't ask her permission first. And I was like, oh, oh, they understand consent. This is beautiful. <laughs> and, and then I was like, yeah, that's what consent is called. And that's when you ask for permission and you get an enthusiastic yes. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. And I said, so yeah, like sometimes when I want to give my partner a hug or a friend a hug or something or a, a person at work a high five, I say, hey, is it okay if I give you a hug? Would you like one? Or can I give you a high five? And they'll say yes. Or they'll say no, right now, maybe just a thumbs up or something. And it helps, it helps um, take away the awkwardness of, of rejection. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, this person's just asserting their boundary and how I can show them the most respect. Amazing, cool. I can continue on with my day and know how to respect them in this moment. <laughs> so when that grade five student put up his hand and, and said that to you, how, how did that make you feel? Oh my gosh, I, I was like, okay, well, in my brain I'm thinking this could be a whole presentation in and of itself. And I am so excited that this grade five classroom is at that level. Um, because, again, these were conversations that I didn't have growing up. I was never taught what consent was. I was never taught that um, asserting your boundaries, uh, whatever that looks like, be it physical proximity or 
how you like to be talked to or whatever, the activity you're doing. I think being able to talk about what you need in kind ways allows the world an opportunity to be like, okay, yeah, this is how I treat you with the most kindness. I know that X friend doesn't like hugs. I know that Y friend likes really, really tight hugs when I see them, you know, or this friend really doesn't like large crowds. So um, when I hang out with them, I am probably going to invite them over for tea instead. So like it, it helps it helps on so many levels. Like consent is like so important and not just sexual situations in, in all areas of life. It's like so, so fundamental. Yeah. That's what, and I, I'm just thinking of certain friends right now who, when you said, you know, some like crowds, some don't. And yeah, I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, I, I, I know that. Um, I want to ask you with, with the high school kids, yes. um, because I used to teach high school. Uh-huh. My wife teaches high school. I know um, sometimes they don't ask questions and then sometimes they're... In, in my own experience, too, I know that kids had their certain beliefs and that anything you say isn't going <laughs> to you're, – you're nodding your head right now. So what, what, is, what is the experience like when you go into, into high schools? Yeah, um, they also really vary as well. Um, I go into some high school classrooms and there are folks who are super engaged. Um, but, yeah, there, there's often um, – people are more quiet because – I think they're absorbing information and taking in information very differently than a grade five student would, right? Um, so they're engaging with the material more critically, I think. And it's pretty phenomenal, actually. Some of my my most, uh, what's the word? Biggest accomplishments in my presentation moments are after I do a high school presentation, having a student come up to me and say, wow, I understand my identity now for the first time and I'm going to go home and tell my family for the first time. Oh, that's that's huge. <laughs> yeah. And that's happened. Oh, more than once. Like probably more than more I can I can't count on two hands how many times I've had a student come up to me and say, you know, thank you so much. Now I know that my teacher has this information about my identity or thank you for validating me or help. thank you for helping me understand who I am or thanks for clearing this up because now I'm a better support to my friend or now I want to tell my family or I knew this presentation was coming to my school so I already came out and told my family on the weekend and now I, I'd like to pick up some of your pamphlets to give to my family so that they know how to support me. It's like... In those moments, I just, like, you can't see because this is a podcast, but I have chills, like, really. You do. I can see the goosebumps on your arm right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that part of my job is, it's a gift because for a person to feel safe enough to come up to me and say, this is my identity, thank you, that takes so much bravery. I'm a stranger coming into their school and they're sharing this part of who they are and it's it's a truly, it's an amazing gift for sure. But then, like, you, that's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders as well. And, and I'm sure you're – do you go into a high school classroom knowing that this this could happen? And, and does it does it change how you present? Or are you just still you? I'm, t- I'm guessing you're still you. Totally. Um, well, I come out in every single one of my presentations. So I always reveal that I'm a pansexual woman, which means that 
uh, my attraction pan in Latin means all. So it means that a person's gender identity or their body parts, they don't matter to me when I'm looking for a person to date. If I think a person is cute, I think they're cute. So um, some people like to think of being pansexual as like an equal opportunist. <laughs> everyone, everyone is potentially fair game. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I have a crush on every human, right? It just, yeah, it means that I have a crush on who I have a crush on. Um, but yeah, so I come out in all of my presentations and I share stories from my life. So I try to be vulnerable um, so that people lower their guard and they're more likely to listen to what I'm saying because I am sharing things that are personal and things that are hard for me sometimes. And so um, I think that really creates, at least I hope it creates a safe, a safe environment, a place where people are like, oh, we can ask questions. Um, I incorporate a lot of humor into my <laughs> presentations. Uh, sometimes the jokes land, sometimes they don't. <laughs> but I always laugh at my own jokes, so someone's always laughing. <laughs> I would love to someday see Jessica's presentation because, as I'm sure you can tell, she mixes sincerity, honesty, and humor so well. I also like how she explained the difference between an elementary and high school classroom because, as we all know, they are definitely different environments. You are listening to episode nine of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and my guest is Jessica Fisher from Out Saskatoon and Camp Firefly. If you would like to see some pictures of Jessica taken by my friend Janelle Wallace, you can find the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So we've covered a lot of ground when it comes to Jessica's work in schools. This next part of the interview focuses on her personal story, and specifically growing up in Martinsville, Saskatchewan, which is just north of, of Sask Saskatoon, basically a suburb right now. I, I started off by asking what it was like growing up in Martinsville. So it was way smaller when I was growing up. <laughs> like, we didn't have these fancy streetlights or McDonald's. There's a Boston pizza there now. I know. Like, <laughs> I know. Right? We did not have any of that. Um, it was way smaller. And, um, yeah, I, so I graduated in 2006 from the high school there. Um, and so, and lived there until I was in my um, mid-early 20s and then moved to Saskatoon. Um, and so, yeah, growing up in Martinsville was really beautiful in some ways. I am really thankful for um, lots of what, like, small towns can offer. You know, that's that sense of safety, that sense of um, knowing people, that sense of a community, and... Um, yeah, just like playing in fields and stuff, you know, just playing with sticks and rocks because <laughs> that's what we had. Um, but I do also think that um, it was challenging to grow up in Martinsville because um, the population appeared, and I say appeared, very homogenous. It, it was very um, white, middle class, um, heteronormative cisnormative so um there it didn't look like there was a lot of diversity although of course there's always diversity that doesn't you can't see right uh and so that part was challenging because learning about different cultures learning about different ways to be a human that uh, left a lot to be desired for sure in my education and talking about sexual orientation or gender was not a whisper on the wind, not a whisper on the wind. Like 
not in elementary school, not in high school, not in sex ed, nothing. And um, so I didn't really know about different ways of being a human. You know, I was like, there's gay, there's lesbian, there's bisexual, and they're straight. And that's it. And your gender is dictated by what body parts you have. Like, I didn't know trans people existed. And, um, yeah, I just heard a lot of... uh, I was very homophobic and transphobic and racist growing up because those were the um, messages being shared with me. Um, But as I mentioned earlier, um, part of my identity is... Uh, on my dad's side, I'm Métis, and my mom's side, I'm a settler, and I'm very white-passing. And so I learned very quickly, oh, if you don't want to be like the few kids in your community who are Indigenous and you don't want to be harassed about that, then you reject that part of who you are. You you don't talk about it. You don't remind people that that's who you are, and you join in on those really, really terrible jokes, in quotation marks, (laughs) um, or comments, you don't stand up for people. Uh, And so silence was a lot of, and knowing full well that it was wrong, but silence is what protected me. And like, ultimately, uh, imprisoned me as well. So um, taking my own power away from myself and not allowing myself to have a voice, I think, was, yeah, definitely something that impacted my ability to connect with my identity as a pansexual person. Because I was like, whoa, this part of my identity is already not accepted. It, <laughs> for me to show that I am not straight, but I don't know what I am because I don't have presentations that talk about diversity. I, I was going to ask, did, was, there, was there a Jessica that came to your classroom? No, no. Actually, side, sidebar, I was invited to go to Martinsville High School, the high school that I went to um, last spring, or this past spring, actually. And I gave presentations to the grade nines every single grade nine in my former high school. And I actually had a student come up to me after my presentation and say, whoa, my identity finally makes sense to me. I know who I am now. And they went and joined the GSA that day. And a GSA is a gay straight alliance, which is like a club at school where where folks can be who they are and be accepted. And the student, I was like, you're me. You're me in high school. You didn't know who you were, but now you do. And How how did it feel to go back to your old high school, though? And, and, yeah. I I was I was sweating up a storm. It was scary. It was scary and also some of the teachers that I had in high school are still at that school. And so it was like double whammy cuz I come out to the students and like to me that's not scary cuz it's like yeah, this is who I am. I've never met you before. But to talk to like the teachers and have the teachers that I had sit in that classroom and for me to tell them, yeah, this was not an accepting space. This was not a place where I felt like I could ask questions or exp- explore who I was or or talk to adults, I think was pretty powerful for them to hear. How, how did they take it? They were definitely very enthusiastic and excited about having me come in and chat. So it was, I think it was really well received, This this the teachers that I did speak with. And they were just saying like, yeah, thank goodness that this is happening now because it's been missing. So they fully recognize that um, this education is needed, that it hadn't really been in Martinsville too, too much, um, and that uh, they were struggling, so they were reaching out to outside sources, out Saskatoon, so that we could come and do 
presentation so that uh, students would feel better about knowing that there were teachers in the school who had this information. Yeah. So at what point then did you sort of break free not only and and uh, begin to to recognize and celebrate your sexual identity, but also your cultural identity? Totally. Um, like you're, you're just doing things the hard way here, Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So in high school, uh, I only ever dated men because I knew that that was what was appropriate. And... I learned very quickly that if I really played into gender stereotypes in my expression and who I dated, that I would be safe. So I had the long hair. And don't get me wrong, I loved the long hair and I loved the makeup and I loved the fashion. Like, that, those are things about me that I, you know, I like to express myself through my appearance. But... Um, after leaving high school, I went to the University of Saskatchewan to study psychology, do an undergrad in psychology. And uh, while I was there, I was like, oh, right, diversity exists. Because <laughs> there's people from all over the world studying at this university. And um, people who have different ways of thinking about things, people who have different identities, people who have... Um, these unique perspectives that I had never heard of. And so meeting people in university and just being in the university environment, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, the, the, there is a world outside of Martinsville, right? I, I can see myself existing as a Métis person in a university, as a uh, queer person in a university, because I see them around me. When I was 21... I cut my hair really short for the very first time in my life. And I feel like that was my way of being like reclaiming my identity, whatever that was, reclaiming my femininity, redefining what that was. Because for my whole life, I was like, all oh, right, yeah, this is, this is how I'm supposed to look as a woman. Um, but like that wasn't jiving with me anymore. I was like, I, I would like to expand my idea because I see all of these amazing, beautiful humans around me and they at least appear to be living life freely. So I was like, I want to, I want a taste of that sauce. <laughs> so I cut it off. That's a great quote, by the way. <laughs> I want a taste of that sauce. Wow. All right. Well, do with that what you may. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the first, the first haircut was kind of mullety. But, like, the second haircut to, like, clean it up was actually really cute. But I had people come up to me who I didn't know very well and say, Jess, women don't look like that. That is not feminine. What are you doing? Your boyfriend let you cut your hair? And I was just like, ooh, that does not fly with me. Like, I can be feminine. I am still a woman. And I don't need permission of a partner to, to do with my appearance what I want. This haircut doesn't hurt anybody. But you seem very upset about it. <laughs> but, like, I'm fine with it. So... What's the intention around this? Why are you trying to police my expression? I was just going to ask if, if you challenged people yes, on that. You did. Yeah. I did. But um, I also had people say, oh, Jess, are you a lesbian now? And I was like, because I have short hair. And they're like, yeah, lots of lesbians have short hair. And I was like, well, yeah, your grandma has short hair and she's not a lesbian. So like logic, logic, come on. But I got these comments so often from the people that surrounded me at the time that I grew my hair back because I 
I did play with it at different lengths for a little while, but I, as, fa- as fast as I could grow it out, I grew it out um, because I didn't feel like I had a lot of allies who were willing to, to be like, yeah, Jess can do whatever the heck she wants with her hair. It's her hair, right? <laughs> it doesn't affect your day at all. Um, so when I moved to Saskatoon um, and I was in the social work program and I had kind of... Um, split from my Martinsville home, the person that I was dating at the time, we had um, gone our separate ways. And the people that I used to really hang out with a lot, um, we kind of had gone our separate ways again. And so all of a sudden, I had this community of folks in the social work program. And they were really lovely and really accepting. And I decided, oh, okay, yeah, this is, I can lean more into what my identity is. And I started coming up with the term uh, pansexual. And I was like, oh, I need to learn more about that. And the more I read and the more I was like, okay, pansexual people, they they just like a human for a human, right? Whatever that is. And I'm like, yeah, that feels like when I experience attraction, it just, it doesn't matter if I think a person is, amazing and attractive it's because I think they're amazing and attractive and so I started really connecting with the term pansexual um but that was something that I my close friends knew about but it wasn't something that I really truly shared with my immediate or extended family but after the Pulse nightclub shooting happened um I was just like wow Uh, I have so much privilege in my identity because I had only ever dated men. So me as a queer person, I can hide my identity. So it is definitely erased for sure in some instances, but I also have privilege in the sense that because of who I'm dating, um, people, people make the assumption that I'm straight all the time. One of the great things about hosting this podcast is learning about new things from very smart and caring people. I had never heard the word pansexual before I met Jessica that day at Out Saskatoon. I wanted to know more about what it means to be a pansexual person, how Jessica came out as a pansexual, and how her family reacted. I knew going into high school that, I knew in like grade 7 or 8 that like, yeah, I'm, I don't think just boys are cute, right? But I didn't know what it meant. And I didn't talk about it because nobody else was talking about it, like, at all. And so in university, when that word clicked for me, I'd known for a very long time I wasn't straight, but I didn't know what I was, and so I didn't feel like I was allowed to talk about it, which is pretty um, oppressive, right? Because, um, like, you don't need to know who you are in order to to talk about that, right? You don't have to have anything figured out in your life in order to, whatever you're feeling is valid. (laughs) That can be confused or you could know without a doubt in your mind who you are. Either is equally valid and equally um, amazing, right? But um, it made sense because all of a sudden I was like, oh, that makes sense why I was so into Archie comics. Not for Archie, but for Betty and Veronica. That's why, oh, that's why I loved watching Xena the Warrior Princess, because Lucy Lawless and Leather, right? Right? Yes. 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 High five. <laughs> Certainly wasn't the acting. Yeah. No, no. Um, but just like, yeah, um, it, things definitely started clicking and making sense for me the more and more I um, looked at my life and looked 
and um, was just like critical of why certain things had happened and it was just like yeah like this all makes so much sense um and so yeah it was kind of like a you know trying to get a zipper on for a lot of years and you just can't quite get the teeth to line up and all of a sudden this term pansexual comes and zip it just all came together and like fits so comfortably that I was like yeah this is the word that describes me that's pretty powerful so when you shared that with friends and family and then to do it in a way, on Facebook as well. How how did people react? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I realized that I had never physically said the words out loud to my mom or my dad. I had talked to my brother about it, but um, I had never said the words out loud to my immediate family. So after I posted that, I went into panic mode because I was like, oh, my mom has Facebook. <laughs> and... And she, <laughs> I don't want her to find out from Facebook that, that this is my identity. So I called her um, right after work, and I was in a panic. I was like, Mom, you're, if you're on Facebook tonight and you see this post, I just want you to know, like, yes, this is real. I'm pansexual. And if you have any questions, like, let me know. But, like, cool. Okay, bye. And it was... It was a message? No, I called and talked to her on the phone. Oh, and that's it's Okay. And I just... <laughs> click. Because I was so scared. And so um, after after I, the initial, like, yeah, this is this is who I am kind of thing, um, I never I never actually, like, sat down with my mom and dad and was like, okay, so do you have questions for me? Do, what do you need to know? Uh, I just, I kept sending them, like, little articles or videos that would, like, explain my identity or... Um, so, like, resources are actually, like, really great. Because if you're, like, too afraid to have those conversations yourself, <laughs> um, having somebody else explain them is, like, re- without, like, that emotional block or fear is very helpful. I feel very, uh, yeah, someone's calling right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stack. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, I feel very lucky that I, I met you that day at the volunteer fair at the Ramada hotel i think yeah, it was yeah at the ramada here in saskatoon um because yeah yeah I, I i think you're fascinating and i think cool. the work that you do is really really important and and i i wish that um you would have come to uh speak to grade three eric and mrs kettner's class in swift current at omen school oh. which doesn't exist anymore they tore the school down and uh but that's a that's another sad story anyways um <laughs> thank you so much for yeah. for sharing your story Absolutely. and for what you do and um and yeah, best of luck in the future. You're so busy. Oh, and but you know, I would I would way rather be busy and and work myself out of a job because the change happens. So I I will continue to be busy until things change, and that's okay with me. Thank you, Jessica. You're welcome. <laughs> This has been episode nine of YXE Underground. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Eric Anderson. I host and produce this original Saskatoon podcast. If you know of someone doing something great here in Saskatoon who is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send me an email, ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. You can also find YXE Underground on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on the CBC Saskatoon website. 
And I want to say a big thank you to the CBC's Kareen Larson for being the consulting producer of YXE Underground. I also want to thank Janelle Wallace for taking some amazing photos of Jessica. Uh, we went to a two-spirited powwow at the White Buffalo Youth Lodge uh, near the end of December, and uh, Janelle got some great pictures of, of Jessica doing her thing. So, uh, Janelle, thank you for those photos. Uh, I also want to thank my cousin, Andrew Dixon, for the music that you heard in the podcast. Uh, David Hutton from the CBC, uh, CBC Saskatchewan. He is the managing editor and a really big supporter of the podcast. So, David, thank you. And a really big shout out to the, the great team at Out Saskatoon for making me feel so welcome. Uh, I've been here several times uh, working on this episode and uh, they've welcomed me um, every single time. So like I said, if you've never been here before, uh, come check it out because it, it's a really, really wonderful place. I also want to thank my wife, Jennifer, and my dog, Fred, for just being the best. And uh, next episode, I'll introduce you to a woman named Erin Wasson. And she's a social worker at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. And she's doing some really important work when it comes to the mental health of, uh, of veterinarians in Saskatoon. So uh, hopefully you can uh, subscribe and tune into that episode. And before I go, I would like to acknowledge that this interview was recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. My name is Eric Anderson. This has been episode nine of YXE Underground. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can also find more episodes at yxeunderground.com. This podcast is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.